in a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. A shot on Elo. Good! The Bulls win! You know what time it is. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic. This is Mitch Moe. And this is Dallin. Guys, welcome back in. Mitch, how are you doing today? I'm good. I uh, I went to bed at a uh, child's bedtime last night. Yeah, so Mitch I've... Mitch got, got in trouble, got sent to bed early Yeah. by himself. I, what did you I, do? I don't know. I just <laughs> crashed out at like 7.30, and next thing I know, it's 4 a.m. So wow. I was like, wow, I guess I was really dumb. But now I'm like... I felt like I just dragging ass all day. Mm. So I'm trying to find that second gear for this thing, man. There is a level of like too much sleep, you know. There's a happy medium getting enough sleep to feel energetic the next day, but then there's also like I got too much sleep and it takes a whole day to like wake up. Yeah. That's yeah. You hit the yeah. you hit the too much. I mean, it's, I was you know, feeling good this no, I, I I was feeling good this morning. Oh yeah, but. it feels great in the morning. And then in the afternoon you're like, "Wow." I feel still I still feel asleep. I feel like I feel like shit. Well, Mitch, we're here to wake you up. Okay. And uh we're here to talk about some great stuff today. NBA Finals going on, series tied at 2. Epic game 4 last night that we'll get into at the end of the podcast here. Uh, and then a bit of uh a bit of news. We're going to talk about MLB All-Star Weekend. Some trade rumors in the NBA and uh, some fun NFL stuff. So a uh, nice little pod here today, Mitch. Uh, you're also going to throw someone in the pit of misery, which, hey, always room for that. Always room. We, there's a vacancy. Uh, is never there is fully a vacancy just, sign at the pit of misery. Yeah, we don't even have the no part of the vacancy sign because <laughs> there's always room for someone it's to go in It's just a there. permanent, it's only a vacancy sign. That's right. Hello. <laughs> that's right. That's a great slogan. You know, that's what you hear in the commercial for the Pit of Misery when they're like when late night TV, when you're watching Cartoon Network at like 1.30 in the morning uh, and, and you get those weird commercials. That's what you're hearing. Pit of Misery. Uh, we don't own a no vacancy side because we we're always op- there's always room for you. Huh. It wasn't in the budget when we were building the pit of misery, so. <laughs> oh, man. All righty. Well, uh, shall we just jump right into it? Yeah, let's get going, man. All right. Guess it's uh guess that means it's time for time for the news. <laughs> oh crap, I keep forgetting to do this. Yeah, you're right. Let's get into the news. Uh, you know you don't do that for like months and then you try to get back into doing it and uh it's not the easiest thing to remember. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, you know, sometimes I don't always set you up the best for it, but, you know. I used to take initiative on that. Be like, oh, you, can I do it? Can I do it? And like, then I was like, you know what? Maybe it's time to retire the thing. But Just tell me to back. shut up and get out of the way. All right? <laughs> right. Like, this is, I'm doing the news. Stop talking. Let me, no, it's great. Uh, and yeah. you do a great job every time, my friend. 
Oh, well, thank just, you. Just uh, A-plus effort. Uh, and it's being recognized here. I want to, you know, oh. I just want to make a note of that. Thanks. So, uh, Thanks. Mitch, let's uh, let's start with some NBA trade rumors. Uh, been a couple. I want to mention some of the smaller ones later, but let's start with the biggest name right now, and that is Ben Simmons. Uh, this week, reported by Shams uh, Sharani with The Athletic and, and others, that uh, the Sixers are actively looking to, you know, potentially trade Ben Simmons. Uh, obviously, and ideally, they want an all-star caliber player in return. I mean, this isn't a case of your championship window closed and you're trying to move on. This is just a fit, uh, and you need to find somebody who works better alongside Joel Embiid. So uh, a few names, of a few teams have emerged, rumored, correct? Mitch, uh, fill us in on, on who is rumored to be in the Ben Simmons market. Yeah, so there's been a lot of teams that have kind of came for, you know, jumped for, jumped out at the opportunity of, you know, oh, Ben Simmons is available. Let's try to make a deal here. Uh, Cleveland was one that came out early. Indiana was another one that came out. Uh, Minnesota, um, the Torino, the Toronto Raptors um, are probably the newest team to come out. But I think the most exciting one, um, and I think you would agree with this, and I know our friend Jordan Fox would agree with this, is the Sacramento Kings have emerged as Maybe one of the front runners to to have you know have the most interesting package to put together for Ben Simmons. Yeah, it's an interesting list of teams. Most notably, no like top tier NBA teams, right? None of those like finals contender or maybe borderline finals contender that feels like it can make a move and jump up because the price for Ben Simmons is going to be too high, and most of those teams don't have the assets in place. But it is a lot of those sort of borderline teams, maybe teams that hope to in the future be consistent playoff teams that feel like a player of his caliber could take them to that next level, like Sacramento, you know, who we're talking about, who we're going to talk about here. Uh, maybe like uh, Minnesota, you know. Uh, but with the Kings, Mitch, this is an interesting one for me. The Kings are in a really interesting spot, and I think they've put themselves in a great spot to make a trade like this. By drafting Tyrese Halliburton last season, when they already had a guard who maybe you can feel comfortable running your offense into De'Aaron Fox, somebody they took very early in that draft, I believe he was like sixth overall. So they invested that pick and then they go back last year and they draft Tyrese Halliburton. Great pick, by the way. Fantastic pick. But now you've afforded yourself the luxury of we could move on from one of those guys and get a piece that fits the team better. And now you look at Ben Simmons and what the Sixers need, which is a ball handler that, that can actually shoot outside, you know, that isn't a glorified big man who can't with, with no jumper. Uh, now all of a sudden the Kings can move on from one of those guys and get back and return a player that adds a lot to their team. So, I'm with you. The Kings are the most intriguing one to me. Yeah, I, I just don't know how willing they are to deal Tyrese Halliburton or De'Aaron Fox for that matter. Um, that seems like the guys that they're like least willing to deal right now. I would see more of a buddy-heeled Marvin Bagley with some draft picks type deal. Um, I know that Bagley kind of does a shittier job at what Joel Embiid already does. So like they they have that big man presence, but you you know, 
I think it's good. I, this is the most interesting one by for sure, because I think there's a lot of different combinations of things that you could put together to try to get this deal done. Um, I just, I mean, personally for me, but it seems like Sacramento is in a weird spot where they want all the good stuff, but they're not willing to get good, you know, give up the good stuff to get something better. They kind of want to get all the pieces at one time. And so when you say, no, we're not willing to deal Darren Fox or Tyrese Halliburton, but we'll give you Buddy Hild and the bus Marvin Bagley, then it's then you're like, well, you know, you can't have your cake and eat it too. You got to figure out where to you, you got to give up to gain a little bit. Yeah, and I it, think Sacramento might have a hard time doing that, but th- you know that's what they're going to have to do if they want to get this done. I think it's overly optimistic to assume that you could hold on to either Fo- to both Fox and Halliburton, and ultimately too. Like that's kind of my point is like you drafted another ball handler because he was the best player available in Halliburton. That was a great pick, but like. Him and Fox in a backcourt is not necessarily ideal. You know, long-term moving forward, that's not like a perfect pairing that you have to feel like we got to keep those guys together. Like, Halliburton's still young. If you like him more and the Sixers are more interested in Fox and you signed Fox to this contract extension, maybe you didn't really want to be on the hook for all that money. Maybe, you know, that's the way you're trying to get out of it is move on for Ben Simmons and you do that. Maybe Halliburton is the intriguing young piece that you pair with Buddy Heald and maybe Harrison Barnes to match contracts in order to take on Ben Simmons because you have uh, an all-star caliber player in De'Aaron Fox already. And you're just adding to him somebody who's going to play well off of him in Ben Simmons. So there are definitely intriguing moves. I think Buddy Heald is definitely going to be a part of this. Uh, that's what the Sixers desperately Guard need is outside shoot shooting. Is yeah. And around Joel Embiid, if you're centering the team around Joel Embiid, you're playing inside out. Get in the ball, let him play make to the outside, you know, running pick and roll with him, uh, leaving shooters open and creating mismatches like that. Uh, that is going to fit Buddy Heald perfectly. So it's it's clear to me that's a piece. The number nine pick in this draft uh, which uh, which is happening next week, by the way, next Thursday. So if we're going to see a move for Ben Simmons and it's going to involve a, an early draft pick in this draft, like it, we're recording this on Thursday the 15th. Like we got a week, a right. week until the NBA draft. So we might mm-hmm. see something by the next time we record. We might actually have a deal done already. Um, so, you know, remains to be seen. But I believe, and my guess would be, you know, either Halliburton, healed another player in that pick, or we're looking at well, like Fox and Simmons, maybe straight up. Maybe you throw something in, you know, in there. But maybe Halliburton I think that would be the, the sort of what was that? I mean, how what about Halliburton, Heald, and Barnes? Yeah, I mean, and the thing to remember too here is like that might seem a lot for Ben Simmons, but Ben Simmons gets paid a lot, and so you've yeah. got to match contracts either way. Like I don't know how what this with the Kings cap situation is I don't know if they could take on much more you know than they're getting than they're going to give up so you want to get those pretty even I know the Sixers don't have a ton of cap to play with so they're going to have to match it pretty close uh so you you know you got to get to that number so healed and you know Tyrese Halliburton on a rookie contract isn't making that much so there is going to have to be other players involved and maybe a three-team trade ultimately to move enough salaries and players around for everyone to feel happy but the Kings are definitely the most intriguing in this uh, uh, Ben Simmons market. Mitch, was there another team that stuck out to you at all? Uh, well, I kind of picked 
that one already. What's the team that stuck out to you? I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean it's uh, definitely it's definitely the Kings. Uh, the Raptors. The Raptors was interesting to me because I just don't know what they're giving up to get him. Uh, are you trading F- Fred Van Vliet, even though you just sort of signed him this big uh, extension? Is Pascal Siakam and Ben Simmons even like a good fit? I don't know. That's that's two long guys who both can't really shoot outside. I don't know if that's like an ideal pairing. And I definitely wouldn't suggest trading Pascal Siakam for Ben Simmons. That doesn't seem advantageous for either side. I know Toronto has a high pick in this draft, and you can maybe center something around that, but you know the Sixers aren't looking to rebuild. They're looking to make a run at the finals next year. And and, and, and you know a first-round pick is going to be valuable for the future, but like they need players who can help them do that next season, not a rookie who's going through the NBA for his first time and is expected to show up at the biggest stages. So to me, Sacramento, you know, part of why I think it makes the most sense, you know, because of that reason. They have, uh, you know, players that they could trade back that can immediately contribute to a winning Sixers team uh, that that fits those needs. Uh, No, I think Sacramento... Uh, is probably the only one I've really been super interested in. You bring up a lot of great points about Toronto. Um, lots, loads of possibilities there, but it's going to be interesting to see over the coming weeks, you know, what kind of stuff gets thrown the Sixers way in trying to get a Ben Simmons deal done. And I don't think it's going to be, I think it's going to be sooner rather than later, later we see a deal get done. Yeah. I mean, you say coming weeks, but like NBA drafts next Thursday, it's in a week. So if, right. if we're involving early pick, which Toronto fourth pick in the draft, Sacramento ninth pick in the draft, clearly the Sixers would be wanting to get a pick plus players uh, in return for Ben Simmons. So, uh, I mean, it could be it could be days. We'll find out uh, how interested the Sixers are, uh, but definitely something to monitor. There's a few other little rumors I just wanted to mention here. Um, the 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 main one here is uh, Lonzo Ball, and uh, it's not a trade, but he's going to be a free agent this year. Uh, New Orleans is unlikely to match the offer sheet, which would make him uh, unrestricted free agent. Uh, and some of the names of teams interested in Alonzo Ball I thought was a little intriguing. First off, the Chicago Bulls, uh, a team that's apparently interested. The Los Angeles Clippers. Mm. And the Los Angeles Lakers. A return to the Lakers. Uh, I, I mean, now, what's... Is that possible? Is that possible? Though, that is it possible? To- Depends on what the money is. Yeah, Uh, it depends on what the money is. And ultimately, maybe uh, if it's a lot of money or more money than the Lakers or the Clippers would have, uh, then you'd be looking at a sign in trade where he re-signs with the Pelicans and then gets traded to the team in exchange for other players. Uh, For the Clippers, like you would be looking at Luke Kennard, who they signed to a a 16 or 20 million dollar deal. That's a tradable and that's probably maybe the range that Lonzo gets. You could trade those contracts to get him on the team. The Lakers would have to involve maybe Kyle Kuzma or somebody like that, as far as contracts go, uh, to match. But I don't see the uh, I don't see the value in the fit with uh, really either of those teams. If I'm being honest, the Bulls are very fluid right now. They need an identity. Do I love Lonzo Ball and the Bulls? They just drafted Kobe White uh, out of the the guard out of UNC, who I like. Uh, I think he has potential. 
but there's not a ton there. So I guess if you want to take a shot on Lonzo, he did have career high in, in points last season and three-point shooting over 37% from the three, which is good. 14.6 points per game, which is good. He, he is a plus defender. He's a big guard. He's not a great shooter, but he can be a, a good role player. And so, I don't know. It'll be intriguing to see, but I was very surprised to hear both LA teams involved in that. Yeah, I, I think especially the Lakers for me. Like, you just moved off this guy, and now you think you have an opportunity to bring him back. I mean, would Lonzo want to go back to the Lakers? I well, mean, I mean, that's a great – I mean, obviously, that's the ultimate question is, you know, Magic, these are the teams Magic that are interested in there. him. But are, is he interested in going back, you know – to LA, yeah, who knows? I mean, Magic was a big part of the reason why he wound up in LA with the sure. whole draft and everything. Well, now and Magic's not there, so I mean, listen, like you traded Lonzo for Anthony Davis, and you would do it a hundred times out of a hundred. And sure. Lonzo Ball understands that, right? Sure. Like, I mean, these guys, yeah. like, like Brandon Ingram, like you could be mad that they didn't believe in you, but then they they got Anthony Davis and they wanted a ring, like, like they did what they needed to do, you know. And and they obviously believed in you at some point, but they couldn't keep you around. So I don't know. It it is it is interesting. I don't know. We'll have to find out uh, what the free agent market looks for Lonzo. But I think people are down on him. He had a good year last year. And he's a much he's, better player than he was in his first stint in LA. Of course. So. And and ultimately, like, will he live up to the number two pick? I mean, based on what we've seen so far, probably not. But right. can he carve out a long career for himself as a role player, as a guy who contributes on defense, who's a good playmaker, who can shoot the ball at an, a, an average clip? Sure. I've, and I, I think last year proved that he can be that. And there's obviously a, val- a market and a value for guys like that. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just a, another quick note I thought was interesting. Uh, apparently, the rumor is that the Houston Rockets – have been aggressively pursuing the number one pick in this draft. Now, the the Rockets had, before, going into the lottery, the best quote-unquote odds. They were the number one uh, odds, even though it's all even for the first three teams. Uh, they did not get the first pick. Detroit got the first pick. They wound up with the second. Uh, and apparently, they've been aggressively pursuing that number one pick in the right to draft Cade Cunningham's reasonably, uh, the guard from Oklahoma State. So... Uh, we'll see. Uh, apparently they've discussed throwing in Eric Gordon in their trade scenarios. Very intriguing stuff. Who doesn't love that? So I love Eric apparently Gordon. Apparently it's 2016 and they think Eric Gordon's still valuable, but he's uh, a top, he is a top 25 point guard in the end. We'll see Easily. if Detroit <laughs> gets intrigued by anything Houston could throw their way, but not often do you see a team try to trade up just like one spot like that. Uh, and you know, for Detroit, I, I think it'd be too much to pass up, but you know, who knows? Do you think it's just that they're, they're sour that they didn't get that number one pick? Sure. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they like, looked at themselves and they're like, Cade Cunningham. Great. We're good with that. Now mm-hmm. you're at number two and listen, Evan Mobley, probably the second best quote unquote available at the board doesn't really fit what you want to do exactly. You got Christian Wood, who they signed from Detroit last year, and he was great when he was healthy this year. He's like all-star level. So you don't want to mess that up, and and Mobley isn't a great fit next to that guy. So you want to go guard. You want playmaker. Jalen Suggs is probably not worthy of a top two pick. So if you can't get up to number one, honestly, I think Houston should just trade back to like four or five. 
because mm. the value might be better there for them and, and you'll get get uh, assets in the future. So I get why they're moving up for one. I don't think I think Detroit would be very stupid to move on from the from the chance to go number Especially one. When you Detroit... don't get the number one pick like very often at all if you're doing things good. If you're doing things right. So Especially when Detroit right now has so many good potential pieces and you could just add another one with a number one overall pick like Cade Cunningham. Um, a guy with you size, have an... playmaking, oh. athleticism. Like I, That's perfect. That's exactly what you'd want. Four years from now, Detroit might be really, really good. Exactly. You know, if they yeah. just keep sticking with this. Right, so, right. So you know. I thought that was funny, though. I was like, huh, really? Try, trying that hard to move up one spot to number one. I get it. I mean, you I know, mean, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Week left. Uh but uh, but there's that for you. So a little bit of NBA rumors and stuff. We'll get to the NBA Finals uh, a little bit later here. Uh, but uh, let's continue on in the news, Mitch, with uh, MLB All-Star Weekend. Yeah, had All-Star Weekend. Fun weekend in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Balls were flying out all over the place. Uh, had the home run derby up. Well, hey, whoa, don't give me that look. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't say anything. You gave me a look. Though. Sounds like my Saturday nights is all. It's fine. If you forgot, uh, we're doing video on this too now, Grab. We have yeah. that face recorded. I did. Uh, we had uh, – so the All-Star game was great and everything. We had we had the home run derby, which is probably, um, in my mind, the biggest spectacle in all of All-Star sports uh, across NBA – uh, NFL and the MLB, you know, yeah. and now the MLB, it's the best. Everyone loves um, dingers. I mean, who doesn't? Who doesn't love dingers? You don't have to like baseball to love a home run. It's guess like what? universal. They, they come in bunches in the home run derby. It's no matter where you go, um, especially in Colorado, though, the ball flies out further than any other stadium. Um, we saw guys averaging, you know, guys hitting 500 foot homers. I think Shohei Otani hit one like 420 something. Uh, four thirty something. It was insane. I mean, what this got? How far these guys hit these baseballs? Um, let's before I put the guy in the pit of misery. Let it, it's not, it's not a guy. It's a group of people. Let's just oh appreciate the the competition that was the home run derby because it was exciting and it it started off with uh, it, with a great story of. Um, Trey Mancini and Matt Olson. That was that first matchup we saw. Trey Mancini beating stage three colon cancer um, has come back. It has absolutely been an absolute beast. Um, he goes ahead. He beats my boy Matt Olson um, of the Oakland A's. Um, we had Joey Gallo, Trevor Story. Great matchup there. But the the banger of this whole thing, the best matchup of this whole thing was Shohei Otani and Juan Soto. And it's not because these are, you know, the two premier home run hitters, power hitters in the game, which Otani right now is. Juan Soto is not. It was just a back. It was like watching a heavyweight title bout and blows just getting thrown back and forth, back and forth. And it's not coming down until the last round when someone blows, throws the final blow. Uh, And that happened to be Juan Soto. Yeah, they went to double overtime. I didn't know that was a thing in the home run derby. Like, I don't think yeah. that happens very often, you know, no, Not, doesn't. Like, like you tied ones because, it, you know, there's like a certain time limit, you know, right. right. That you have to hit the, so everyone's getting the same amount of time you hit, you know, you hit how many you can hit and that's it. Like if it's tied, they go again, they got tied again. They did it again. They got, it's like crazy. Four minutes. So four minutes per round, they both hit like 23 or something like that. Then they go to a one minute overtime. They both hit six more. 
And then you go off to a three-swing swing-off. Soto, by the way, takes three swings, hits three home runs. Three, just cra- all three <laughs> of them. Incredible. Clutch. And Otani, we know this about him. He's got a very level swing. Uh, he's kind of a line drive hitter as it is. And, you know, he takes one swing, and it's a, it's a line drive and a, and a right. Great hit, but uh, great hits don't count in uh, home run derbies. So, um, you know, that was that was probably the best round of the night, to be honest with you. Um, and it wasn't even particularly close. Yeah, I mean, that uh, it was that's incredible. And that's like the fun of the competition of the home run derby. Just seeing like how many how many home runs can he hit? Like we, at, you got to hit him. Like how many can you? And it's like that is just so much fun. And what a great battle. Disappointing. You know, you kind of Otani was the number one seed. You really wanted to see like what he could do. And like, you know, obviously credit to Juan, to Juan Soto for a great match and obviously winning out. Uh, but what an epic battle. I mean, what more could oh, you yeah. want? That was great. Uh I mean- and Otani still hit almost 30 homers. Yeah, round, I mean, he had a so. great round. It's not like he struggled. He just got bested. And what can you do when you get bested other than, you know, respect to Juan yeah. Soto for a fantastic round? Yeah. So. No, it's crazy. I guess who else had a big round was the winner of the home run derby. It's two-time winner now, Pete Alonzo. 35 homers in the first round. That's a record in the home run derby. Uh, including a 514-foot shot, uh, he was wild. He he was he was completely nuts. Goes on to win the whole thing. 74 total home runs in in the over the course of the home run derby and two-time champ for Pete Alonso from the New York Mets. Uh, just a crazy performance. You know what's so impressive about that 35 home runs is the previous record holder, I believe, was Josh Hamilton in a round. And that was before the time limit. He could take his time. He could take pitches. Then he could swing. Then he could take five pitches in a row and swing. These guys are trying to get in as many swings as they can in four minutes. And he still broke that record, dog-tired, squeezing in all these swings that he can, still hit 35. So his record, way more impressive than the record that he actually beat, given the the rules that they play with now. and you know what? You look in the final round, man. Pete Alonso's up there. He's like half dancing. He's like bobbing his head to music. Like he's just having a good time. And take a swing, five hundred foot ding dong. I mean, this guy is just. I mean, and you know what? His comments after the game, you gotta respect it, and you can't help but be with him on this. He said, "I feel like the best power hitter in the game." And you know what? How could you not? He, he is seventy four homers in one night. If he's not it, he is in a top three for me as far as best power hitters in the game because this guy just elite power. And you know what? It's easy to point to, oh, it's a home run derby. They're throwing BP. Oh, it was in Colorado. But you know what? There's not a whole lot of players in baseball that could do what he did, and he went out there and convincingly showed everyone up. Absolutely. No. Uh, great performance by Pete Alonzo. Uh this is this is very interesting. Uh, Pete Alonso wins a million dollars in prize money for winning the home run derby. His 2021 salary for the New York Mets six hundred seventy five thousand dollars. He has good made thing it. he's a two time champ in the home run derby. He's made more money from his two home run derby wins than he has in his MLB salary of his entire career combined so far. That is wild. He, yep. He's made like 1.47 mil and he's won 2 million just by winning two home run derby. <laughs> just alone. winning the home run derby. <laughs> Get that guy a little more money. Jeez, man. I mean, yeah. listen, I'm sure he's not complaining on his 675. K. I, I, I wouldn't be complaining, I but either. 
clearly he's he's going to get paid uh, a lot uh, when it comes his time. Uh, so crazy stuff, Pete Alonzo. And that was fun. You know, uh, home run derby is the best part of the all-star weekend, the all-star game, uh, the AL won it for, I believe it's like the ninth time in a row now that they've won the, uh, the all-star game five to two Vlad Guerrero jr. Wins the MVP. He had a big shot in that game, a big home run. And, uh, so, you know, the all-star game is funny to see all the players, but the home run derby is where it's at. Yeah, I mean, it was really horrible cool. jerseys, by the way. The, See, the, the, I w- the, I didn't hate him. I didn't hate him. Are I you serious? Him. I didn't hate him. Oh, they were awful. I I mean, the I, weird lettering down one side with like the three the initials of the team. That's a bad look. You know what they should do, and and the NBA should do this too because this was fun when they did it. Let them wear the regular jerseys. That is so cool when you see the eclectic field of all the different jerseys from all the different teams. That's the best way to do it, in my opinion. We don't need a uniform jersey that you can then resell to fans to try to make a little extra money. Let them wear their dang normal jerseys. That's cool. I mean, it's a business, though, baby. Like, they're going to keep making jerseys like that. I know. I didn't hate them. I mean... I get what you're saying, though, and I do prefer that when they wear their own uniforms... You know, they're regular uniforms, and they're on the field. Baseball did it for years, and it looked really cool. Um, you're right. That's the way I prefer it. But I didn't hate those jerseys. I thought they weren't well, all that bad. I think you might have been alone on that. I saw quite a few people commenting poorly. I'm in the minority for that, for on sure. The, uh, I'm, on, yeah. on the look of those all-star jerseys. Uh, all right, uh, Mitch, one last bit of news thing here. Hold up. This is- Hold up. Oh, we, yes. We are not moving on without these people paying the price. Okay. For their horrible Mitch would production. would like to discriminate against an entire group of people. That, don't, word is, like that. don't word it like that. Don't word it like that. Don't word it like that. That's not what I said. Um, no, ESPN as a whole is going in the pit of misery. Their production of the Home Run Derby was absolutely atrocious. I mean, the, the graphics were, un, were unpleasing, unsettling. They never showed ball track. They never showed the longest distance of, of each individual home run. You didn't have the back, 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 gone. You didn't have Chris Berman calling it. It was terrible production. And you know what? They would go like, oh, but here's uh, the average distance per, you know, of what the home runs. I don't care about the average distance. How long was that individual ding dong that that guy just hit? That's what I want to know. I don't want to know what the average is. Oh, he's averaging 474, but I don't care. I don't care. That one looked like it was over 500 feet. How long was that thing? And they're not going to do that. They're not going to show ball track. None of that stuff. Uh, ESPN, uh, again, dropped the ball in production. Um, I know it's going to be hard to move it to another network, but I wouldn't mind seeing it move to, like, Fox Sports or something like that uh, to see if they can uh, do a better job of producing it. And you know what? If the ESPN keeps it, they need to bring back Chris Berman every year until he dies. Every year, because Chris Berman is the only way to call a home run derby. Listen, uh, I think we could always use more Chris Berman, but that's the era that you and I grew up in, my friend. You know, we're we're suckers for. for He's still kicking for, the, though. for Swami. We just oh, you know it is what it is. But uh, but you know, ESPN probably already deserved to be in the pit of misery. So I think this is great. Oh yeah, they they uh, they've dropped the ball on quite a few things over the last yeah. few years. Yeah, it's true. But uh, but hey, if they'd like to uh, buy this podcast and 
you know, have us be a part of it. I'll take their money. We, we would absolutely <laughs> say yes very quickly. So don't, you know, those uh, those executives at ESPN, don't be fooled by our criticisms. Yeah. We're very much available. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, Mitch, uh, final bit of news here in the NFL. Uh, the Washington football team came out a few days ago this week uh, to to give an update, I guess, on the future name. They're going to stick with the Washington football team in 2021, but they are eyeing a rebrand in 2022. They confirmed that the new name will not include any imagery or likeness of Native Americans or the Native American tribes, including... The use of the name Warriors, which had been, I guess, suggested, and I think fans around the area liked the idea of that name. They're going to avoid that all completely, uh, which is not unsurprising and probably the right move. If you were going to go for the name change in the first place, then, like, change the name, you know what I mean? Like, then do then do the rebrand, do it all the way, I guess, and that's uh, what they're planning uh, but the thing I found most interesting, Mitch, was some of the proposed names uh, that were then leaked uh, in conjunction with this announcement. There are some uh, cool names and some very bad names. Yeah, I, I, you brought the really bad ones to my attention, so I'll let you uh, go over those. I mean, there, I, there, but I, we've, I think we've all seen some of the similar ones. Red Wolves. Um, one, they, they can almost kind of use the same, like, old logo, but, like, just change the stuff to a wolf, and it would actually look kind of kind of dope. Uh, Red Tails was another one. Um, strong military tie, too, with uh, head coach Ron Rivera there. Um, it might be a good, uh, a good leap for them. Uh, the obvious one for me was Hogs or Red Hogs mm, um, right. because of, uh, you know, the Hogs nickname that they got in the 1980s. Um, the senators, another one, commanders, generals, um, and then also like sticking with, uh, you know, they were going to be like Washington FC, which, eh, that seems like a soccer thing, not really a football. It's team. definitely a soccer team, and so, Washington football team is not a permanent fix in my mind. They have to choose a mascot. This is the NFL. That's yeah. what you do. Everybody else has one. Uh, so let's not just not be different for the sake of being different. Um, the five names that I saw, this was from Fox five, uh, in Washington. This was the five uh, proposed names. Uh, some that you mentioned already. Red wolves was one, which I think is great. Uh, red Hawks, red tails. If you're doing the bird thing is fine. There are so many bird teams though. So many bird teams and the wolf or dog market is completely open in the NFL. Nobody's got a, do- a bird, bird or a wolf slash canine family mascot in the NFL. So you're, you know, you could just claim that and be different, which I love. Uh, commanders, uh, I like that, actually. I think that sounds nice. And, you know, you look at the president in the White House, the commander in chief. I, I like that tie in. Uh, similarly, presidents is one of the names that they had talked about. Very bad really bad just boring you could do commanders is like presidents but better you know when you like, have, like the powdered wig is your right, logo. Right. like what are you gonna do yeah like just, instead uh, of the ram horns on the side you have like a powdered wig that's e- that's a big it. yikes that's a big yikes. That'd be disgusting uh, renegades <laughs> which i don't really love uh it's fine uh kind of generic uh and then the worst one mitch and this i i just i have so many questions about this monarchs yeah. Monarchs is a fine name for a sports team. But when you're the football team 
in our nation's capital, and we as a country, de- you know, departed, like left the monarchy of England to start our own thing, and then you thought it was a great idea to name the football team after the thing we left to create the country. Like, what are we thinking here? Monarchs? Are you kidding me? Like, nobody thought that out. They're like, that sounds cool. <laughs> what are it's we really doing? Bad. It's really bad. I think you had made a comment before the show of you might as well call them the communists. Yeah, like- I was like, if we're going to go, like, uh, the most un-American thing you could think of, yeah, there's the name of the Washington communists, I guess. Like, I don't, like what are we doing? Like- they just straight up, just, like, changed their logo to the hammer and the sickle. Yeah, and like-, like, let's go. Like, we left a monarchy, you idiots. Like, what are uh. we doing? So, anywho, uh, that one was fascinating. Uh, please don't pick that. Uh, that, that seems like the sucks. most Washington, that seems like the most Washington thing to do, though, is pick, like, Change the name and then pick just like another like, but just like a bad name. When you're that one it. sucks, dude. Like it just doesn't make sense. That's just bad. That just doesn't make sense. But there are good Ugh. red wolves. Great commanders like it in that realm. Generals, things like that. Like you got to play into the nation's capital thing. I think that's a great move. Or you stick with red something, red animal, to sort of not move too far away from the old name and in in sort of feel. Very similar, but moving away from the Native American imagery, as they said they are going to do. So, we'll see. Uh, but, yeah, 2021, Washington football team. Again, 2022 will be uh, their new identity, and I guess we'll find out. I've always, I've always really liked Admirals, too. Um, yeah. And with the tie with the Naval Academy there. That's a great, um, yeah. Okay. I've always kind of liked that one. I don't know how. I could dig it. I could dig it. Me so. Yeah, no, I, there's there's a lot more, a lot but better names than monarchs. Not monarchs. <laughs> oh, buddy. All righty. Well, uh, that is it for the news. We put ESPN in the pit of misery, and uh, Mitch. Now it's time to talk about the NBA Finals. Oh boy! All right. Game four last night between the Bucks and the Suns. Through the first three games of this series, it's it, it's. I don't want to say it hasn't been competitive. It's been competitive, no doubt. But each game is sort of ended with a decisive winner. First two in Phoenix. The Suns more or less handled their way to those victories. Game three in Milwaukee. Milwaukee responds, wins that game fairly handily. Last night, game four, was the first game of this series that was truly like competitive to the very end. And it was a gutsy, gritty win by the Milwaukee Bucks at home to even the series up and, you know, ultimately keep their finals hopes alive. Because going down 3-1, like, we we know how that works. There's only one team that's ever come back from that, and it had LeBron James. So, I you can't, you can't bet that you're going to be able to pull that off. So, you had to even the series, had to get it done at home. Milwaukee did that. It's a brand new series, but... Mitch, that game last night was incredible. I want to talk about this first from the Milwaukee perspective because, honestly, like they had an awful game. they had an awful game. Like all things considered, you look at their shooting numbers from this game. They shot twenty four percent from the three, seven of twenty nine from three. 40% from the field. Like, 40% is not good for the field. 40% from the, fee- from the field, 24% from three, and they still got the win. They still got the win with defense. They were hounding the Suns all night. 
Chris Paul was like a no-show. He was nowhere to be found. We'll talk about him later. The Bucks defense stepped up big in this game, and Chris Middleton had his game. We knew this was happening. He's good for one 35-40-point performance at some point in a playoff series when you really need it. And it came in game four because that's Chris Middleton for you. It wasn't super efficient. He ended up 15 for 33. At one point, he was like uh, he was like 9 of 25. Like, it wasn't great. But gets 40 points, and he was particularly good at the end of the game when they needed it, Mitch. Giannis, you can't just feed Giannis buckets at the end of the game. He's not that type of player. You need a guy who can just go get a mid-range shot, go hit a three, And Middleton is their guy, and he showed up last night for it. Big performance by Chris Middleton in the NBA Finals to tie the series up. It was, it was, it was, it was great. I mean, what did we talk about after Game One? Middleton had to start showing up more, and they had to play better defense. And we got both last night. We got both. Now, you know, Game Game Three, we saw, we started to see that defense play better. Uh, but I think last night was really the okay, yeah. Now we're we're playing good defense. We're locking down. You said like Chris Ball was non-existent. Um, off night for him. Um, I think one of the keys too are the Bucks are just they're playing their big three forty plus a game, and you got to keep playing them forty plus minutes a game and, and or more. Honestly, I mean, if you could play them every minute, I would. But you know. They're playing 42, 43 minutes a game. That's where those big three need to be. Have your your three guys off the bench that you could trust to come in and give them give them you know give them a breather, then come back in. Um, the Bucks uh, have made this a have made this a series, and there's no doubt in my mind it's going seven now. No doubt in my mind. Yeah, I mean we had both picked six games. I had Bucks in six. You had Suns in six. But I think we're both on the same page that yeah, this is seven games. And it's at that point, it's anyone. I mean, it could be anyone's game in Game yeah. Seven. It's, it's who wants to show up that night, regardless whether you're in Phoenix or not. Which uh, obviously Game Seven would be. Giannis had a great night: twenty-six points, fourteen rebounds, eight assists. Uh, he sort of got off to a slow start. Got went out of the game really early. Said he had to go take a pee, so he like subbed out after like two minutes. Came back in <laughs> a couple minutes later. He was you fine. Gotta go, you gotta go. Right? Man. You gotta go. You gotta go. I love Giannis. He's great. <laughs> Uh, But we got to talk about, Mitch, the signature play of this playoffs. Mm. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago. The DeAndre Ayton alley-oop slam in the Western Conference Finals. Big play. And we talked about, is this going to be the remembered play of this this series, of, of this whole playoffs? And it definitely was until last night. But the block by Giannis on DeAndre Ayton up to like a minute 20 left in the game, Gotta gotta hold on on defense. Giannis is guarding the pick and roll with with Devin Booker. As soon as Devin Booker goes up to throw the lob to Ayton, he turns, he shuffles his feet, reaches out, and blocks DeAndre Ayton at the basket. He was at the free throw line. He was at the free throw line, got to the basket in what seemed like the flash of an eye, and blocked DeAndre Ayton. They ended up going getting the ball, pushing it down, getting points, ultimately winning the game because of that play. Mitch, that was, that was, it was incredible. Like it, it was one of those, it was one of those plays that only that player could have done. Right. 
And that and that's like those iconic plays that what you think of. We talked about Damian Lillard's dagger three against Oklahoma City, that iconic. Only Damian Lillard does that. Right. That like only Luca has that step back in the in the bubble last year to beat the Clippers, that iconic shot. Only Giannis with his size, his length, his speed and athleticism could do what that what he did last night on that play. It was remarkable. This this is the first three plays that come to mind that this it ranks up there with me. LeBron's chase down block. Against Diggy in the finals, yes. Ray Allen's corner three. That, that's another great one. That's Jordan one. Jordan's shot on Elo. Right. Yeah. It, it's it's up there with those three for me. I mean, this was such an incredible play by Giannis. The athleticism, the the athleticism, the ground he covered, and that yeah, short period of time, like super you said, human. There's only one guy that could do that, and that's Giannis. I mean, so he's up there with those three plays that I just I just mentioned there for me. I mean, this is one of those, not just the play of the playoffs, but one of those all time playoff plays that you that that you're going to remember now like you're going to remember yeah. this play for a long time yeah and if the bucks go on to win this nba finals we're going to be able to look back on that specific play and say that turned the tide because if you lose that game you give up that alley-oop it's tied now with a little over a minute who knows how the rest of that game plays out it's a four-point swing because of the block by Giannis. you get the win in game four you know, a lot of series to be played. It isn't over. The Bucks haven't won it. But if they do, we will look back on this play and say that is the moment things changed for the Bucks. So yeah, uh, it was fantastic. Drew Holiday, another tough offensive performance. Four of 20 from the – oh, he was awful. Oh, five from three. He was great on defense. And Drew Holiday is great on defense. He has been in his whole playoffs. But he has not been good on offense. He needs to get that figured out because the Bucks survived – a horrible holiday offensive performance. Four of 20. 20%. (laughs) That is, you just can't have that from, uh, you know, like you said, a big three who's playing 43 minutes in this game. You cannot have a guy play 43 minutes, put up 20 shots and make four of them. You just can't afford to do that every game. So he made it up on defense. They got the win tonight. He had some big offensive rebounds. I mean, he contributes outside of offense. Don't get me wrong. And, and, and scoring the points, I mean. But, I mean, but you're, he but needs you're seeing... to shoot better. You can't shoot the ball that many times and, no, and be you, that bad. No, you can't. You can't. But, you know, I think you're also seeing how well-rounded of a team this is because Pat Connaughton stepped up, played pretty, played exceptionally well, shot the ball very well. Hit big plus, threes. Plus 21 when he was on the court. He was great. Um, Drew Holiday made up though for that for that you know offensive absence. He was still a plus player on the court, playing well defensively. So he was plus eight. So you know Drew made up for it on the other end of the court, but he also had someone picking him up when he had some when he's have some offensive struggles. And Pat Connaughton was that guy for him. Yeah, well, in that small lineup that the uh, that the Bucks have really employed, you know, Brook Lopez starter only played nineteen minutes in the game. Uh, they have really leaned on Giannis at the five on Aiton and either Pat Connaughton as a shooter or Bobby Portis coming in, who's not quite the uh, the outside threat, more of an inside player than Pat Connaughton is, uh, but brings a defensive edge that Pat Connaughton does not. So they'll sort of alternate between those two with the other four starters, which is the big three, P.J. Tucker, uh, and then and then the smaller lineup. And, and obviously that's worked. As you mentioned, the Connaughton minutes, when they went small, Big plus, big plus minus. So uh, they're going to continue to employ that, and ultimately the Suns are going to have to figure out how to feast with Aiton and and, and just Giannis uh, on the floor. So, Mitch, let's let's switch over to the Suns here. Okay. 
Because the Suns absolutely fumbled this game. The Suns should have won this game. They got a horrible night from Drew Holiday. You know, Buck shot the ball awful across the board. You shot the ball 30% from three, 7 to 23. Not great, but definitely better. Shot 51% from the field. But Mitch, they had 17 turnovers. Yeah. 17 turnovers for the Phoenix Sun, including five from Chris Paul himself, four from Devin Booker. Listen, Booker was on one last night. He's had a tough finals so far. He hasn't shot the ball very well. 42 points last night, 17 to 28. Didn't hit a three. Didn't hit a three and had 40 points. Like, how often do you see that anymore? He was just killing it in the mid-range, getting to the getting to the free throw line. Booker was on. Chris Paul was awful. He was like a no-show. He was non-existent. In fact, he was a huge negative because of all the freaking turnovers. Seven assists and five turnovers. That's not good for anybody, especially Chris Paul, who's supposed to be your best player, really. He was minus like, ten, minus ten when he was on the court. When the Bucks shoot the ball that bad, and when Devin Booker is on, scoring forty points, you have to win that game. You have to, you have to find a way to pull that game out. The Bucks tried to hand them the game, and the Suns let it slip away in the end. And the Bucks took advantage and, and sealed it off uh, in the closing minutes. But uh, if I'm Phoenix, I'm I am worried about that going into Game Five. Tightening the screws, getting back on, hopefully coming home, playing in front of the home crowd, being in the familiar environment helps them sort of lock that back in. But I, you know, that is that is tough. The way they handled the small lineup with the Bucks couldn't really handle that on offense and defense. Uh, Couldn't take advantage of that and not taking advantage of such a great night from Devin Booker. It's tough to see. Yeah, I mean, they had one plus player. It was Torrey Craig. Torrey Craig was the only guy that was over zero or when he was on the court. The other two at zero were Cameron Payne and Devin Booker. Devin Booker, I mean, obviously the the defensive struggles though, I think, for for the Phoenix Suns. I mean, you can't put up I mean, Devin Booker had no help. He had no help. Um he, you know, forty two points. Next highest score was Jay Crowder with 15. Yeah, only 16 points combined from DeAndre Ayton and Chris Paul. DeAndre Ayton only had six points. Now, he was a beast on the board, 17 boards, you know, but they couldn't get him involved offensively. And Chris Paul, 5 of 13, 10 points. Yeah. Yeah, just, I mean, when you look at the numbers, to me, had you not watched the game, it would have thought, oh, yeah, the Bucks should have had this in the bag easy. Just be looking at the plus minuses, the numbers that these guys put out. But, you know, it, they played it They played a tight game. It was a tight game. Um, I think you're right that the Suns shouldn't have lost this game. It, they should be up 3-1 right now. Um, they're not. Um, but the Bucks have uh, a brand new a brand new momentum coming for these last three games. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, in a, in a series like this, both home teams had two games at home, and you you won the games you were supposed to. It's a three-game series now. Yeah, in I a, mean... In a seven-game series like this, tied 2-2, it's anybody's series. Game five, brand new game, got to treat it like game one. But, I mean, I would say the Bucks have the momentum now. You know, that's kind of the benefit of getting those game three and four at, at home. If you can survive those those first four games, come out of it even you know, you're going to come out of that with momentum, having one, two straight games. Now, again, the Suns are going to feel great about being home in Phoenix, playing in front of the home crowd. 
They've played great there in this playoffs. They played great game one, game two at home. It's up to the Bucks to steal steal the road game. You know, the home game team is I mean, still at the advantage. But, like, there are some clear flaws, I think, that we saw in Milwaukee. Like I said, the Suns' inability to take advantage when uh, the Bucks go small. They were unable to do that. And ultimately, you know, struggles on offense for their stars around Devin Booker. Uh, you need more. Whoever gets the road win wins. I mean, because we yeah. haven't had we haven't had a road winner yet in this series. Yeah. Um, I mean, if the Bucks go out and take Game Five, they're coming back Game Six and they're winning in Game Six. If the Suns protect at home and then they come out and they win in Game Six on the road, then it's their series, or, and then it's their series. They can't split these. They have to have like they have the next the winner of the series. If they want to end it now, they have to win a game on the road. Um, and it's crazy to think about like. That's that's going to be the deciding factor. Can someone win on the road to to not force a game seven to end this thing early? Yeah, um, I just don't think that's going to happen though. I think no. we're going to go back um, to game seven in Phoenix, and then it you know then really the, the if the Bucks want to win, they have to have the only road win. So yeah, I mean, yeah, you know it, this has this has been a great series, and as I said when we started. It's not like the first three games were super close, but they also weren't blowouts. But they, you know, it was a sort of a decisive victory, if you will. I'm glad we finally got a classic finals game. This was a classic finals game. This, I mean, this we... is gonna be this is gonna be one of the games when you're on ESPN Classic when the replay and stuff. This is the this is gonna be one of the ones you take out of this series. Besides maybe the deciding game eventually, uh, this is gonna be one of the games we point to. Each team had a 40 point score. I saw the list today. I don't have it on me. I didn't prepare this. But there's a list of the times where two opposing players scored 40 points each in a finals game. And it's like Shaq and Allen Iverson, right, in the early 2000s. And then it's like MJ and like Larry Bird. Like it's like all-time greats. And then you're going to have Chris Middleton and Devin Booker. And it's – I just – I love it. It was it was, a, it was a fantastic game. And this really has been a fantastic series. I mean, now looking back on this now, now we're halfway through this series, and we talked about how this was kind of a fresh, yeah, I, or at least I had expressed this. It was kind of a breath, uh, a breath of fresh air to have two teams, one of them we didn't even expect to be here, and the other one that had fallen short over the last few years. We don't have the LeBrons, the Kawhis, the Paul George. We don't have those guys in the finals, the Steph Currys. We don't have those guys in the finals. Are you still happy that we don't have one of those big stars in there and that we get to see the blossoming of Giannis and or, or Devin Booker or, you know, the redemption, you know, the, the grind of Chris Paul playing 16 years in the league, finally getting to a finals? Are we still happy that we're seeing this or would you prefer to still see one of those big stars in this finals? Uh, I mean, this is great. Are you kidding me? I mean, I'm, do, I'm on board with. Yeah, you, I mean, the thing is, the is we do have big stars. That's the great thing about the NBA. There are so many talented guys that if if they got the opportunity on the biggest stages, they would show out. And we're seeing it this year. Devin Booker, never been here. Didn't stop him from putting up 40 points last night. Right. Chris Middleton, never been here. Didn't stop him from putting up 40. We just saw Giannis do 40 and 10 in back-to-back games in game two and game three. And we know what Chris Paul's been able to do in these playoffs and in this finals. I mean, that is the, that is what makes this league so exciting right now is there are so many great players 
there's so much more besides LeBron and Steph and KD and Kawhi and like all the, you know, there's so much more than that in this league. And I am so grateful that we have an opportunity to enjoy some of the other superstars that exist in this league. And and it's not like Giannis is unfamiliar. He's won two MVPs, no, no, but, but we get to watch, we get to see him prove that he really is that guy. Like Giannis really is that guy. If you ever had a doubt, like he's proven that clearly in this, in this playoff run and in these NBA finals, he is about that life. He is an MVP level player and he has taken over and won games by putting the team on his back. And we've seen performances like this. It's great. It is fantastic. I hope we get more of this. So we want to maybe a, a Timberwolves, Suns, Western Conference Finals. No, get something no new in there. Get no, something want, new like, in there. I want, have, I want Jazz next Sixers next year. Oh, I want to see Joel Embiid. I want to see Donovan. Like, you know, I want to see Denver make a run. What does Jokic and Jamal Murray do on this big stage, right? What is Atlanta? Can Trey Young, they make it past. Like, Trey Young would be great in the final. That's what I'm saying. Like, and I only named a handful of teams. There are so many more players and teams that could step up and play well at this level. And it's, it's a treat for us fans to watch. It reminds you of what else is out there in the NBA. So much talent. Absolutely. I'm 100% on board with you, but I know that's kind of been one of the criticisms of it. So um, I'm glad that we're on board with that. Absolutely. It's no, nice it's, to see uh, something it, different. Oh, no, I go said, ahead. You were like, talking. Yeah. Oh, no. I just – you had cut out there, so I didn't I didn't get you there. But, um, yeah, it's just – it's nice to see something different for a change was all I was going to say. Um, it's uh, Absolutely. Yeah, nice to see something different. You, you're not going to sit there and just predict the finals every year. You get something right. new. Right, and that's that's the fun thing. Like, I mean, not to move past this NBA Finals, but, like, next year's Finals? I mean, how many contenders can you count on, like, two hands? Like, it's anybody. Like, all of a sudden, the NBA's wide open, you know? All of a sudden, can these Dallas two teams could be back. Run. You know, and you've got Denver, Utah, both LAs, uh, Atlanta, Philly. Like, I mean, whoever gets Damian Lillard, potentially. Like, you said, Den- you know, Dallas is making a move. Like, there are so many teams where you could be like, they have a shot now. And it is, it's exciting times, Mitch. It's exciting it's times. Very exciting times. This has been exciting. This has been the podcast, guys. Thanks for sticking around and listening. It's been a blast. We'll continue to cover the NBA Finals as it reaches its conclusion here in the next week or so. Uh, NBA Draft next Thursday. Uh, so obviously we'll be talking about that and uh, and and more as we head even closer to the NFL season. We'll be doing some previews uh, before the NFL season over the next you know, six or so weeks before the season begins. So get, you know, be excited about those. If you're, if you're into that kind of stuff and uh, more good things to come, right, buddy? Absolutely. Um, If you want some more content from us, go ahead and give us a follow on Instagram at the sports hour guys, follow us on Twitter at sports hour guys, go follow our TikTok page, the sports hour guys. Um, You can, Find us anywhere that you listen to your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Doesn't matter. We're there. Go ahead and get on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and review. Tell us we suck because, dude, that's the only way we can get better. <laughs> totally, dude. Uh, no, Mitch, you're right. It is the only way that we could get better. Yeah. So yeah. please hurt our feelings. Hurt my feelings. Make Degrade me Degrade me. Degrade me. 
Oh, on that note, we're gonna we're gonna call it. We love you all. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week. See ya.